Julia. And welcome to Unnecessary Aches, your local wine book podcast. Oh my god, I was like, oh no, am I gonna have to say it? <laughs> really? I just wanted to see what would happen. Okay, okay. You I forgot see- to say tipsy though. That's oh, fine. We're we're definitely that. Yeah, tipsy and tired. You tipsy Let's tired combination. <laughs> TTs. That's what we're doing. Here. Okay. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> Julia, how uh, are you? Uh, how are you doing today? Doing, what are you drinking? I'm doing well. I'm. Why am I drinking? I'm drinking a. Oh, I'm drinking a. Travellini Gattinara, one of my favorite wines in the world. Excellent. I highly recommend. It is well balanced and delicious. It never fails to uh it never fails to impress. Nice. Anyway, I'm doing well though. Uh not too much has happened since the last time we chatted. I am doing a lot of kayaking. Saw my family. Um oh I took up tennis. Been playing tennis with my internship mentor. I know. I played tennis and on Sunday. I also took up tennis. Yes. Did we talk about this already? Yes, we did. I'm sorry. But off, off the record, we did. So now ah, it's okay. on the record. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but I'm taking lessons because my dad was like, "You're gonna form bad habits if you keep playing without proper lessons so I'm doing a intro class with three other people on starting this Thursday for six weeks that's fun. exciting yeah. that's way better than me teaching bad habits to a child which is what we're doing yeah <laughs> probably that's fine. it's free you know what I already paid for the tennis rackets and the balls that's good enough it's all the money I'm spending on tennis hey if, if she has no desire to become a pro it doesn't even matter like you're doing it for the exercise you're doing it to have fun we're not even keeping score we're just volleying back and forth for fun i mean not that i want to become a pro either but my dad has a thing about it because he is an ex-tennis player so i love your father so much (laughs) like he just warms my heart with every decision he makes all right yeah (laughs) he is my father he is that. <laughs> no, I love him. <laughs> I think he's excited that I'm playing tennis because he can't play tennis. So it's like I'm kind of taking it or doing it for him in a way, which is nice. That's how my mom feels because she can't play with her knee anymore. Yeah. Tennis is brutal. Like, why can once you hit a certain age, it seems like all these people are like, oh, I used to play tennis. <laughs> now I can't. My hip, my knee, my arm. <laughs> I'm like, is this going to happen to me? <laughs> is there a curse here? <laughs> if you are not Serena Williams, you will get hurt and you will never play tennis again at the age of 30. <laughs> Probably true. <laughs> That's what I'm waiting on. Anyway, how are you doing? What are you drinking? I am drinking a Shiraz. Um, that I'm pretty sure the name is called Rocket Like a Redhead. And you know what? That's fun. Why not? I love that. That's a great name. (laughs) Neither of us are redheaded, but you know what? I'm rolling with it. I'm wearing red lipstick-ish kind of today, so it counts. It's pumpkin. to the redheads. Pumpkin spice lipstick from from Too Faced. Um, I'm I'm doing okay. We have obviously delayed this recording 
not to anyone else's knowledge, but, like, to our knowledge, we've delayed this recording many, many times um, for many reasons, and so I'm just still trying to recover from my reason for having to delay, which was taking a sick child to the emergency room multiple times and also trying to figure out health insurance when you don't have any. Uh, So that's been really fun for me. I love that. Yeah, it's been it's been great. I called the Medicaid office for California, and they were like, we'll process your application within 45 business days. I'm like, I need to take her to the hospital today. What the hell, people? And they were like, we'll process your application within 45 business days. <laughs> but we got most of it worked out to an extent and got temporary authorization, whatever that means. So doing okay. Um did some homecoming dress shopping this weekend, played some tennis, did lots of homework. I feel like I'm simultaneously a, like, full-time employee, which I am, and also a high school student and a parent because of how much parenting and also homework I help with all the time. So it's been busy, but um, it's been good. I'm still trying to find time to read. I was like, out of office Friday and Monday just because I needed some time to myself a little bit without meetings. I still did work both of those days, but, like, I didn't have meetings, which actually saved me a lot of time. Exactly. Um, (laughs) And so I finished uh, Crown of Midnight, which is the second Throne of Glass book. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I'm still angry. Oh, okay. She just made some decisions that were not overtly racist but oh were God. racist she she oh fridged God. she fridged a black woman unnecessarily and it to to further the white savior's plot line and the white savior was like now that this character has died I, well, spoilers for Throne of Glass, but whatever, <laughs> now that this character has died, I will no longer be a coward like she told me I was, and I'm going to do the right thing and, like, step up and actually carry on her legacy, and I'm like, couldn't we just have had the black woman carry on her own legacy, because she was actually trying already, and that would have been great instead of this whiny white girl, who's apparently the protagonist of the story, but... Over it, give it two stars. <laughs> Moving on. Um, I also read The Charm Offensive, which is uh, like a, basically about a show like The Bachelor, but the lead turns out to be uh, extremely socially anxious and also gay. And he falls in love with his handler. And it was oh great. God. Great mental health rep. Very cute story. Not as comedic as I was expecting it to be, but. Uh, boy, was it fun. I also read it in a day because I made Skyla a bet that I could finish it before she woke up the next morning, and she stupidly took that bet. So, she owed me $5 the next day. <laughs> so, yeah, that's been my life. Just, you know, coping with romance novels and fantasy novels is escapism from the realities of hell. So, nothing different? Nothing different. Um, you know, I wish that August and Kate had this level of escapism available in their life, but they I don't. Know. They're living the hell. Honestly. I, oh my god. These two chapters 
I literally, I almost started reading chapter three, verse three, because I didn't realize the head ending. So I was like, okay, what's happening? What's going on? What are they going to decide? What are they doing? I had to like hold myself back because I was so stressed for them. Yeah, it was pretty stressful when reading these. I had to break it up into chunks, actually, because I was like, nope, can't deal with this much stress today. Need a little, need a backpedal a little bit. Yeah, and then I, because I read this, what, like two weeks ago or something Mm -hmm. like that, and then I had to reread it for the recording because it had been a while, and, like, I was, like, why did I put myself through this twice? And then, like, again, I had to stop myself once you got to chapter three because, like, Ugh, you just want to know what happens. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is going to be a hard... I feel like the end of this book is going to be really difficult to pace myself to, like, only read the parts that we're recording for. I believe in you. Were you able to I pace yourself with Shatter Me? Uh, sh- oh my god. That was, like, ten years ago. I don't think so. I think I probably read that in, like, one night. <laughs> Okay, it may be kind of hard for you then. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Thank you. That really bodes well. I believe in you. You can do it. To be fair, though, when I read Shatter Me in what, like, 2000. It's been 2008. Um, I had a lot more time on my hands. So at least with this, I have to pace myself because I'm doing other things. I have a whole class I just started, so. This is true. We do have to pace ourselves a lot more now as as adults. Um, Have I been doing a good job of that in my real life? You have not been doing a good job. Anyways, we should probably talk about the book we're currently reading, (laughs) which is The Savage Song. Uh, We're finally starting verse three, which is exciting and extremely action-packed to the point of stressing us out, Um, Mm -hmm. or at least stressing you out. I know what happens, but... I understand why it stresses you out to not be able to go go past this. So we'll be talking about chapters one and two today. Julia, do you want to give us a synopsis? I do. (laughs) Okay, verse three, chapter one. August wakes up in severe pain, though it's different from going dark. That felt like a fever, but now he feels hollowed out. He opens his eyes and he's zip tied to some metal attached to a wall in what seems to be a basement. He sees Kate, and she welcomes him to her new office. I love that. (laughs) He then notes the cab driver knocked out in the corner, and Kate explains she needed his help carrying August and paid him, but she didn't want to let him go yet, so she knocked him out, naturally. This girl. God. (laughs) He asks where they are, and she says around the corner from one of her father's safe houses, and she lets him know she has a lot of questions. He admits his first name is August, and she reveals she knows his last name is Flynn. She asks why he helped, and he explains it was a trap, and the Malkai were trying to make it look like a Sunai massacre scene so that the truce would be broken. He says he really does want peace, but she doesn't quite believe him. She's struggling to process, and when he asks if she is okay, she snaps, asking if he is fucking with her. She starts working herself up to hurt him, talking about the footage she has seen, which confuses August, but he reminds her he saved her life, but she doesn't quite back down. She asks why she was at Colton and he why he was at Colton, and he admits he was sent by Flynn to be close to her if the truth broke, so they could use her as leverage. 
She presses her metal rod into his neck, but cannot pierce the skin because it is too tough. Kate's phone starts buzzing to August's horror, but she assures him she took the GPS out. Home is calling her, and August begs her not to answer because someone must have sent the malt guy to kill her. She thinks the malt guy are just sick of following orders, but August tries to convince her it was a calculated plan and attack and plan. With her dead and August there's take the fall. She takes the battery out and utters Sloane's name, which August recognizes from conversations with Leo. August asks if Sloane would start a war, and while Kate isn't sure, she knows he wants her gone and would definitely be capable of thinking that far ahead, since he is different from other Malkai. August tells her she cannot go home, and then he hears a car, the engine turning off, but Kate doesn't hear them. He tells her to untie him because someone is coming. They realize she never took the GPS out of the cab driver's phone. She cuts them away out with her knife, turns back to him, and tells him it would have been easy to turn him into her father that morning, but she didn't because he didn't look like a monster. She tries to cut his zip ties, but cannot, so she kicks part of the metal free to allow him to get his wrists off. But they have to pull a bit and end up falling down together. They get out, go out the window, and are standing on a small window lip on the third story. He tells her he isn't afraid of heights, just falling, and then she just jumps. Verse 2, chapter 2. Kate has jumped a six-foot gap to nearby roof and doesn't look back, so August follows and then she stops him. He can see the wound where the Malkai bit her. She tries to tell him they are even now and that she won't go with him to Flynn, but she also doesn't know where to go because she not, cannot go home. He quiets her and they hear some voices looking for them. He grabs her phone and stomps on it and then asks her to help him find a phone without being in the camera line of sight. They start heading through the streets, avoiding cameras, and go into a cafe. She goes into the bathroom and comes out in different clothes with the cell phone and hands August his jacket back. She hands him the phone and he calls the FTF, giving all the codes and being redirected to Flynn. Henry answers, but they are quickly cut off when Leo takes the phone. August tries to explain why he was with Kate, and Leo tells him to leave her. Leo then barks that August has compromised everything, so they need to get him safe and asks where he is. August doesn't want to answer, so he hangs up. He tells her he cannot take her south. She takes the phone and starts texting a coded message to her dad, a code supposedly only the two of them know. August suddenly smells monsters and tells her to move to the kitchen because some Malkai have come in and are already starting to kill people. They get into the kitchen and August locks the door with a spatula or something similar. They run into the back alley and while they don't quite know what to do, they just keep walking. Kate makes him slow down and walk near her so they look like a couple rather than some frantic kids. She says they have to get out of the red and wait for the text, but they don't know how to do that and avoid cameras. Since many of the Malkai may be working for Sloan, she doesn't know where is safe, but then she realizes they need to go somewhere the Malkai won't, and looks at a steam grate down to the sewers. And that's where we leave off, and I had to physically hold myself back from reading chapter three. It was like that moment where you're just like so into what, like the action sequence, that yeah you like just don't know where one chapter starts and one chapter ends like i literally don't even remember where chapter one ended and chapter two began until we just read the summary <laughs> like it's a complete blur in my mind you just gotta you know 
the action sequences. You just gotta go, 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 go. It's yeah. I like. I, you just put a commercial break into my my reading here. <laughs> I hate when they do that in movies, and you're like. <laughs> I should have just paid the $12 and gone and seen it in theaters. Oh God. God damn it. Yeah, 100%. Or Hulu, trying to watch a movie on Hulu, and like every five minutes there's a commercial break at the most inconvenient spot, and you're like, you know what? Is it worth it? My personal favorite was watching Skyla experience the Hunger Games movies for the first time, but we were watching it on Prime Video with ads. Oh my god. Uh, the oh Hunger no. Games with ads? Bad idea. Oh no. Just bad. She just starts screaming. <laughs> I don't blame her. That is a terrible movie series to watch with ads. <laughs> it was really funny. I found it absolutely hilarious. She's already asking me if we can watch them again because she was like obsessed with them. She'd never seen them before she got here. Wow. I, I, like, hope it doesn't become a, like, I don't think the movies were great, but, like, I think that the story was good enough that I really hope it doesn't become, like, a generational thing. Like, it's just going to die out with our age. <laughs> I mean, people are still watching Twilight, like, nobody's business. And well, if Twilight gonna, was, like, a completely different level. But if you're going to watch an adaptation of a YA book from the mid-2000s, Hunger Games. Like, I would say that the Hunger Games movies were much, much better adaptations of the books than the Twilight movies were of the books. Mm-hmm. Per- personally. True. My personal viewpoint. Do you remember that the Diversion series was created into a movie series? Because I forget that all the time. We're just going to pretend it didn't happen. I That series, I honestly think that series was more... It was closer to my heart than um, the book series. It was closer to my heart than the Hunger Games series. But the movie series actually ruined it for me. I didn't even watch the last movie, or the last two movies for that matter. It was so bad. The The Divergent movies were so... The first one wasn't that bad. And then they just ruined it with the second and the third. Um, yeah, the movies were horrible. I am still very mad at Veronica Roth for how she ended Allegiant. I... I me too. There's it's it was unnecessary. It was completely unnecessary. We should send her a link to the podcast. <laughs> I love you, Veronica Roth, but oh my god, was it unnecessary? <laughs> and we know about unnecessary. Let me tell you, <laughs> <laughs> we do. <laughs> um. Well, and the, like the Hunger Games ending angered me to an extent, but when you like sit and think what about it it makes sense and it was the right choice and it like all plays out really well and you can like critically talk about the decisions that were made and like talk about the appropriateness and like why it makes sense so hunger games ended really really well and i thought the movies did a pretty good job of ending and like wrapping it all up the little epilogue at the end was a little weird but like it it still fits the general theme of what was going on with those stories yeah. But yeah, no. Still mad about Divergent. Hunger Games was my jam, though. Like, I loved those books. I love Suzanne Collins. I loved Suzanne Collins before she was cool. Me and the Gregor and the Overlander series go way back. <laughs> Which is oh what she wrote before she wrote the Hunger Games. Anyway, going back to August and Kate, yeah. we just got on t- our first tangent of the evening. 
Go. This is how you know we've actually been drinking wine tonight. Go us. That is true. Okay. Verse 3, chapter 1. Yes. Um, so. (laughs) See, this is my problem. Like, I didn't write notes for these two because, like, I could not. Like, the way that it's written is, again, like, she's going back to this, like, whole film sequence, right? Where, like. She's giving you all of the details, all of the action, the dialogue, and, like, it's very fast-paced, and, like, mm-hmm. you can't break that up. I get why she broke it up, but I just, like, I don't... Why? Because chapter <laughs> At the tension. same time, why? <laughs> tension between the chapters. It's important, yeah, I guess. Julia. Um, but, no, I... These these two chapters in particular, like, really reminded me of, like, a script for an action movie. But a 100%. generic one. I had a really hard yeah. time coming up with pop culture references, which we'll get into later. But it was like, here are all of the generic action things that we do when we do action. <laughs> and we're going to do all of them. Uh, but it's not bad. Yeah. Like, that's just how she has written these books. And it works for these books. Like, it keeps you engaged. It's very, like, fluff and, like, surface level to an extent. Like, there's not too much to really dig into. Because you're just going through, like, very basic action sequences. It's, like, more than Fast and Furious, but not that much more than Fast and Furious. And so, um, it's just fun. But you go through it, through it really quick. If you didn't take notes, though, I can talk through mine and just, like, interject if you have anything to add, if that works. Yeah. Okay. I really liked the imagery um, that she was using in the opening paragraph talking about August. Let me see if I can find it. So she said, when August woke up, everything hurt. Pain had always been a fleeting thing, something that skimmed along the surface of his senses. But this was deep, nodding around every muscle and bone. The last time he'd gone dark, it had hurt to the core, burned through him like a fever, but even that was different. Now he felt hollowed out. It hurt to breathe. It hurt to be. And for the first time in his life, he wanted to crawl back into the darkness of his dreams. Like, damn, what a way to start verse three. (laughs) I just thought that that imagery was, like, really poetic, and, like, you, again, you can really, like, feel what August is feeling, and also understand the differences between the types of pains that he has felt in his Mm -hmm. life. Like, this is clearly something unique and different, and he articulates it so well. Obviously, I mean, Victoria Schwab articulates it really well, but I just really appreciated it because we've talked about this before, like, she writes August and Kate like many adults rather than actual teens. No teen is that eloquent about how they're feeling. They're just like, it hurts. I hate it. And it hurts. And I appreciate the eloquence there because that's one of the things I love most about August is how, like, clear he is with his words when he's describing something. Uh, And then Kate's like strength that she's trying to portray to August about how she has this all under control but then her immediate awkwardness around like the cab driver and not knowing how to explain like why he's there and what she did it's just such an interesting dichotomy that I really love about her like she has she has the strength it is there in her but she like 
flexes it and then pulls it back because she feels the muscle stretching and it freaks her out. So she'll like stretch and she's like, ouch, and like pulls it back and becomes awkward again. I just want to like, I wish we could like have a description of the scene where she like knocks the cab driver out. Like she like has brought, you know, an unconscious August to this like random place her yeah. office and then she like turns around to the cab driver and the cab driver is like so what now and she just punches him or something like i wish we had a description of it it's so funny to think about but we're not of course we wouldn't get one because this is victoria schwab and we do that off camera mm-hmm. or off page of i guess yes <laughs> Uh, I was very surprised. I don't know if you, like, noticed this or felt this surprised, too, but very surprised that she dropped an F-bomb in this chapter. Oh, yes. I, it was satisfying. It was. <laughs> it was. I was like, oh, cool. I can actually curse in my summary now. It's not just me being an asshole. Great. It's so satisfying. It was satisfying. It's funny because it's, like... This book still feels very YA to me, and so when I read that, I was like, shock! An F-bomb! Like, oh my god, she used the word fuck! Like, we're in PG-13 mode now. Can you believe it? Oh my goodness. Yeah, if you use it once, PG-13. If you use it more than that, R. Like, can't, can't have too much language. But then I was, like, realizing I've I've been reading The Hate You Give with Skyla on the side, and she's constantly... Angie Thomas curses up a storm in that book, like, shit, <laughs> fuck, like, all of the bad words, and I just read them, I'm like, yeah, okay, yep, mm-hmm, no problem, yeah, that, that makes sense for this context, and then this, this one book, I'm just like, <gasps> the Mind you, this book, where we have been reading about, like, people bleeding out in front of a school. <laughs> and it shocked me, but then in The Hate You Give, I'm like, yeah, no, this feels real to real life. <laughs> Like, a- apparently I struggle more with cursing in fantasy situations than I do in contemporary. But you're okay with violence. Am I, though? <laughs> I'm a wimp. Are we sure? Sure, we have had that conversation. <laughs> my baby. I, like, curled up when I watched Nightmare on Elm Street. They, my friends tried to peel me out of the fetal position to get me off the floor when I watched that movie on Halloween one night. To be fair, I have never seen that. I have no desire to see any horror movies. The last horror, the only horror movie I have ever seen was Paranormal Activity, and I will never do it again. I actually was okay through that one. Oh, interesting. I know. I don't know why. That one I did okay with. Um, I read a horror novel recently. Did I tell you about this? No. Well, I've read multiple horror novels. I've read two horror novels somewhat recently. I read um, Ace of Spades, which is YA horror, and that was amazing, and you should read it, and it was so, so good. But then I also read... The Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones, which is an indigenous horror novel. I'm never going into the woods again. <laughs> Ever. Okay. Like, they these, these uh, native guys get haunted by this elk spirit who turns herself into a woman with, like, an elk head and then, like, a female body and murders all of them. And, like... 
Yeah, I'll pass. <laughs> no, I'm thank good. you. And it was, like, gruesome and, like, so vividly described. Like, horror novels, I don't think are for me. I don't think that's my genre. It was a really good book, but, like, I'm gonna be too I... scared to live life. I'm, like, a wimp for somebody who acts like she's not a wimp. Like, that would scare me 100%. Especially, like, stuff written down, I think, to me, is almost scarier than, like, watching something because you have to read every single detail versus when you watch something, you can, you can kinda, hide. Like, you can hide. You can tune it out. You can, like, kind of, like, look somewhere else. When you're reading, you have to take in the details, and it's scary. It is. But, like, yeah. I'm the type of person who will also get scared. Like, I watched Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban in my home in Vermont in the middle of the woods. Meanwhile, Lupin is out there in his Mm. werewolf form, and I'm like, I'm not sleeping tonight. (laughs) The good thing is I haven't heard any urban legends about werewolves in Vermont. I feel like they're concentrated in the South, so I think you're okay. That is true. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) Anyways, um, yeah, so f-bombs great uh (laughs) tangent again we're doing so good this episode uh the whole chapter i was just like praying i was like kate please listen to the sense that august is talking he is speaking sense and your head is full of so much nonsense like absolute crap of, like, all of these things about, like, August being a potential murderer and, like, all this stuff about Leo. And I'm like, he's done nothing to give you the sense that he is anything like that. Get that nonsense out of your head and listen to his logic. He's being very logical and like, how you guys need to handle this. And you just need to listen to him because you guys are best friends. Didn't you know that you're best friends? <laughs> like, be come fair, on. I think most people would act like Kate in her position because... It is scary. It's an unknown. It's I know. the unknown. I know. And as readers, we get both perspectives, and she's not privy to that. I get that. Yeah. Doesn't mean I don't still want her to just listen to the common sense. <laughs> I am, as a woman, I am proud of her for having her guard up around a supposed man. Oh, I was, like, dying when August was talking about, like, him remembering Sloan and then like all the stuff that Leo was saying and you know, everything that was going on like the two families <laughs> gossip about each other so much they are Romeo and Juliet that's a pop culture reference I was gonna make oh, I'm sorry <laughs> but like it's the way you said it. I can't not say it like I know raised it perfectly <laughs> they really are the Capulets and the Montagues <laughs> But we'll talk about it more in pop culture. Anyways, I just, it it made me chuckle how much the families were gossiping about each other. Um, I also really appreciated in this chapter that August was, like, honest with his fear. Again, this, like, eloquence that he has, that he's not afraid of the heights themselves, but of the falling from those heights. And that makes sense, and I feel like that's what most people who are afraid of heights are actually afraid of, that they're going to fall. Not just of the fact that something is high up, it's how am I going to die from being in this particular scenario? And it makes a lot more sense to me and makes it also a lot easier to empathize with people that have a fear of heights because it's not something I have traditionally had myself. And so, like, hearing it put this way made it a lot easier to empathize with that particular phobia, Mm -hmm. which I appreciated. Um, And then I'm sorry, Kate's crazy. Like, who just 
fucking jumps out of windows. Uh, somebody who's just not thinking anything. <laughs> no thoughts at all. She's Head like, empty, okay, no go. thoughts. <laughs> Wee! <laughs> oh my god, like, thank god we started right back there in the second chapter, because I was just like, <gasps> the window. <laughs> um, but that's pretty much all I have for chapter one. Did you have anything, anything else? I, that whole sequence with the phones had me so anxious, because, like, I didn't even think about, like, a GPS tracking device, and then August brings it up, and she's like, don't worry, like, I got rid of it, it's all good, and I'm like, okay, whew, like, they're not gonna be found out, and then she's like, oh my god, the cab driver has a cell phone, and I was like, no, why did you overlook this, you idiot? Like, it's so hard to remember they're teenagers sometimes because of the positions they put themselves in. But they are teenagers in that they wouldn't think, like, oh, the cab driver probably has a GPS-tracked cell phone. Right. That is a huge oversight for somebody who, like, Kate, who prides herself in having everything figured out. Like, and it's just, it's a reminder that she's still learning. Well, and I think that's the important thing, too, of remembering... Like, just how teens process the world, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's not, this isn't to be mean, but it's very self-centered. Like, the world is. is them and what they control and how they feel a sense of control, and so they don't really think about all of the external factors that they don't have a sense of control over, because they don't actually think that they can control those external factors, and so they just pretend that they don't exist. They only focus on what they can control. So, like... Kate could have controlled that situation, but she it never would have even crossed her mind because she was so focused on herself, um, which is just fascinating. But I think that's 100%. a really, really good point. Um, but, like, I don't, like, going towards back to the beginning of the chapter, when she bring like, this also when she him to not a safe house directly but a building right next to one of the safe houses which like isn't technically i guess owned by her father anymore or whatever but like it's still a place like the i know this from reading books where like they have to like get away and stuff it's like you don't go anywhere that is familiar or close to familiar because that is where if they're looking they're for going you, to look, they are yeah. going to check Right. Like, that's just basic knowledge. Like, mm-hmm. just, like, for safety reasons, too. Like, if you're trying to get away from someone, don't go somewhere that you know, that somebody else knows that you know. <laughs> like, it... Oh, okay. I understand that you are panicked right now. I empathize with you so much. But, oh, my God. That is also, once again, a huge oversight. It is. It's true. Um, but I do understand, like, they really did not know where to go. Like, that is hard in a city which is patrolled, where, like, carrying around an unconscious body is probably going to be pretty conspicuous. (laughs) Yeah. So, it's a tough situation that she put herself in. I really don't know what I would have done. Um, but still, I, like go to an alley or something and then knock out the cab driver when he starts asking why you're in a dark alley i don't know fair um i want to know what's gonna happen to the poor cab driver maybe this is just me but like i am worried about him (laughs) he had no part in this he just showed up 
to do a job and they like made an exception for her they weren't even going to pick her up in the first place and they were like okay like we're, we're coming you're kate parker i understand we'll be there soon uh, one of the mouth guys up. is probably gonna drink his blood no i don't actually okay. remember he's not a very important character <laughs> i feel bad for him <laughs> that's fair He's just trying to do his job and make some extra cash. I did try to select him as an MVP last time. <laughs> Probably should have. I'll select him this time. He was unconscious both chapters. He didn't do anything. How is he the most valuable participant? Because he, at least he got them to the this building, her new office. Yeah, but that was in between verse two and verse three. We yeah, didn't see true. it. True, true. Anyways. Um, I know that you know what happens, but the whole Sloan thing, I feel like we had an inkling of that in the last chapters, that there's somebody behind it. Mm-hmm. For some reason, though, I didn't think it was going to be Sloan. I don't know why. I feel like I was giving Sloan the benefit of the doubt, um, yeah, you were hoping for the redemption arc for Sloan yes, that I wanted for Matic, which was ridiculous. <laughs> so I wasn't surprised that there was a name behind the attack, yeah. but I thought it was kind of like what Kate was saying. It was probably going to be one of the the, the Malkai who retaliated, mm-hmm. um, left Harker, and were kind of like being rebellious. I did not. My immediate jump there was not to slow <laughs> my logic did not go to slow last uh, week you also had or well last episode you also had a crackpot theory that leo is potentially involved as well i still think that he is i feel like maybe sloan and leo are in some sort of pact because leo as we know wants to start a war he is ready for the truce to end now we know sloan seems to be ready for the truce to end so, I would be surprised if they were like, let's team up and get this truce to end. I don't but know. Let the I have city no be run by we... monsters rather than humans. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how they would have met up or possibly even thought about that considering they've had a fight in the past and clearly are not on good terms, but that's there's ways. If I mean, if that's what happens, there's ways. That's true. Maybe, like, after... Sloan got his gash or whatever it was. He was like, hey, you're not too bad. <laughs> well, or Sloan's putting out feelers, right? Like saying like, oh, Malkai, go see what chaos you can stir up. Let's try to get some extra stuff for ourselves. Leo's fighting monsters, so maybe he sees them trying to cause problems. And he's like, oh, wait, I have an agenda. How can we My only... Yeah, my only thing with that, I'm like, that is a good, and that's probably the most plausible theory. My only thing would be with that, I feel like, I want to at least, I do not like Leo at all. Right. But I want to give him a little bit more brain power than that. Like, it's dangerous to kind of see your enemy doing something like that and being like, okay, like, we could team up and do the same thing together. Mm-hmm. Without, because, like, I just don't know how on earth they would find an even ground to be like, yeah, let's cause chaos. 
I don't. I just don't know how it would logically work out because I feel like there should be some sort of doubt in both of their minds. Yeah, I mean, I think so. For like Sloane and for the Monkai, it makes sense, right? Like, how can yeah. they expand their particular situation to mm-hmm. eat the most human lives possible? Yeah. And for Leo, like, there is seemingly a barrier because of this affiliation with Flynn of, like, wanting to do the right thing, of serving justice. But I think the more and more we learn of Leo, that that, like, idea of justice is becoming more and more blurred for him. And so, like, how much of it is truly that and how much of it is him just, like, constantly being hungry and him trying to find a way to expand his feeding habits. Yeah. I'm worried. It's going to get worse before it gets better, of course. <laughs> well, of course. Work. We still have a lot of pages left. <laughs> we definitely do. Do you have anything else for chapter one? I don't. Okay. Chapter two. Chapter two. I really enjoyed just, like, reading their banter, and then their, like, slightly uneasy truce throughout this whole chapter. It was just really fun to read. Like, it fits the tension and the mood of the situation really well, so it wasn't quite light-hearted banter, but it just, it fit so well. It was a delight to read, and it made it really, it was, like, really quick and easy dialogue to, to get through that I, I really appreciated. Um, I got a little bit frustrated with Kate, at towards more towards the beginning of the chapter when August is talking and then he calls Flynn dad and Kate gets hung up on the use of the word dad and I was like oh mm-hmm. Kate you're making progress in humanizing him and like giving him personhood but like why are you getting weird about him using the word dad is it because you're mad that Flynn treats August more like a son than Harker treats you like a daughter or just like because you're prejudiced and you don't think that monsters should get to have family either. And I have, an, I have a feeling it's the first one, honestly. I feel like it's both. I feel like she's surprised that he's so human. I mean, she already we know for a fact that she was like, you don't seem like a monster or whatever mm-hmm. it was in the last right. chapter. Um, and then I think that she has to be a little bit jealous. The fact that, like, here, like, does she, does, she calls her father dad, but, like, I feel like she mostly calls him Harker. Yeah, and like the sentiment probably isn't the same as right how when August said dad. It's very there's not that love there. I mean, I think that when she's hearing herself like or like seeing herself react, feeling herself react to this stuff, she thinks it's because she's having a reaction to the fact that monsters shouldn't have families. But I think subconsciously it's really more so that that jealousy factor that she's like, why does this guy who's not even human get to have this when I don't get this? Yeah. So sad. But I don't want her to, like, I want her to keep making progress and, like, humanizing August. I don't want her to take these steps back. And it's just, it makes me a little upset whenever she does. Though it's logical for her character progression. I get it. But I'm just like, oh, my heart. Um, I kind of loved the little rebel streak that August was, like, showing in this chapter where he's, like, 
hanging up on Leo and turning his back on his family for Kate. He knows it's the right thing to do, just like she knew not to turn him over to her dad. But that's, like, really hard to, like, make that active choice. Like, Kate's choices were a lot more passive. She just didn't act. Whereas August is, like, actively hanging up and ignoring the directives that he's been given. And I think that takes a lot of courage. And I'm just, our baby's growing up. I'm really proud of him. Well, and I think, like, his family, I guess, in a way, should have seen it coming. Because he has been asking for a while to be, like, given an assignment, right? Yeah. He wants to go out in the field and he wants to do something with himself. And, like, getting thrown into school, as we know, is not the assignment that he wanted. And so I feel like part of that now is coming out here where he's like, this is finally my chance to do something. It's not necessarily what his parents would approve of him doing, but he finally has a purpose that he feels like he is helping somebody else out. Um, And also, I think, probably wants to prove that he's not the monster that she thinks he is. So, good for him. Yeah. Um, I, what did I, oh, I found it really interesting, I'm trying to, like, I wrote a very convoluted sentence, so don't mind me, uh, I found it really interesting, August's commentary on Leo's anger about Kate, right, because, like, Leo's giving off these vibes to August that Kate should be punished for Harker's crimes as if crimes are genetic, and I think think and a lot of this comes from just like other reading that I've been doing but you know a lot of the social commentary that we're seeing in this book definitely feels dystopian especially to our Mm -hmm. like you and my our lived experience but it is really reminiscent of things that like actually happen in the world like black kids get punished for their family's crimes or are seen more as villainous because their parents go to jail and people just anticipate and think that they're going to follow that same pipeline if they have dads in jail. And that's Mm -hmm. not fair because, like, people stereotype whole families like they're all bad eggs because one person committed a crime, which is just, like, not how humans or the world works really at all. Um, And so I stereotype someone enough they're just gonna be like okay well I will follow that stereotype because you're not giving me a chance to break out of it yeah um and so I just really appreciated that you know August was like pushing back in his head on like that sort of commentary that Leo was providing around Kate because that dystopian element that Leo was sort of portraying about Kate that she's genetically predisposed to follow in her father's footsteps um, is just really indicative of, like, actual social commentary. And it's one of the things I appreciate about August in this book that I don't know if this was intentional on Victoria Schwab's part or not, but August is constantly calling out these, you know, errors in judgment um, that tie to social commentary that are actually indicative of what's happening in the world today to people of color. And so I just... I, I appreciate those moments for what it's worth, whether intentional or not, because it just furthers the dialogue. I agree. Yeah. Also, whatever code Kate uses, Sloane definitely knows that code. Like, she's not hiding anything, right? 
That, okay. I'm like on the fence about it because would Sloane have access to her dad's phone, number one? Because I feel like that has to be a top secret thing that even Sloane can't get to. Um, but then she's writing it. So that worries me. Like, maybe somebody has access to his phone. So then number two, like, maybe it's like Sloane is kind of like Harker's emergency backup where he knows all of Harker's codes. Right. In which case, yeah. Because yeah, Harker doesn't, well, because Harker doesn't have his wife anymore, so who else is he going to trust to take care of Kate if something happens yeah. to him? God. Which, trusting a vampire is never the right decision, but, or I'm sorry, a Malkai. They don't like being called vampires. What were the messages that, I'm going to check this up again. Um, the message that she sent him. Did they even tell us? I thought they just said she sent her dad a message in code. I feel like she told us. Um, maybe not. Oh, kidnapped by vicious Sunai. Please start a war in my name. August frowned. The bells over the front door chimed. Relax, it's just my name and this cell number. <laughs> hmm. But in code. But what I, does it mean? My name and the cell number? No, no, no. Kidnapped by Vicious Sunai. Please start. She was joking. Name. She was trying to get a rise out yeah. of August. I see. I yeah. see. I was like, does it mean something? Like he's like, he's like, what did you say in the code? What did you say in the coded message? And she's like, oh yeah, I told him I've been kidnapped by you, and that uh, he needs to send. I'm like, to kill I'm you. not in comedy mode, but I'm reading this. I'm like so stressed for them that I'm like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> that that feels accurate. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Man. But I, I just, I don't know. I feel like Sloane, again, I don't remember any of this stuff because I read this book so long ago, but, like, I feel like Sloane knows this code. Um, and I, I was kind of talking about this earlier, but, like, while it's nice to have all of these action sequences in the book, I'm kind of over it because I think combined with Chapter 11, just so much of it is feeling so generic that, like, I've seen in movies a bunch of times, I've read in other books, like, it's just, action is not my favorite genre, I get tired of it really easily, it bores me quite a bit, well, um, and I live for character development and romance, and we don't get as much of that in these chapters, so, I just I like action, right? But I like well-written action. And this is not well-written action, this is a generic YA... Mm -hmm. action which you can find like virgin you can find in the hunger games it's not special it's very cookie cutter following a particular formula that almost sounds like it's off as we've said it sounds like a movie script yeah like there's nothing new to it that she is adding like i can't think of any action sequences off the top of my head that i like particularly love um, but I do remember, like, the Shatter Me series, despite its faults, <laughs> it has many. I remember, like, the action there was 
fun because it was interspersed a lot with like dialogue um, mm-hmm. that kept you on your toes. The dialogue that is interspersed in the action here, I don't think is particularly groundbreaking. Right. It's just breaking up the action sequences. Right. Well, that's like, so what I wrote down is like, I said, I can't really, for the most part, picture a single movie for any of these scenes. But it's generic. Every single scene I have definitely seen in a movie. Yeah. Like in verse three, chapter one, when he like takes or she cuts or like breaks the bar that he is attached to. Like, I can't name the movie. Or but I know I've seen it. <laughs> And, like, I remember in my head, like, one of them, like, the person knocks out somebody with the bar. Like, I don't know what movie that is, but, like, it's probably in a dozen different movies. Exactly. Yeah. That was a slight bummer with these chapters. I mean, they were still good, yeah. but it was just, action's not our thing. Mm-hmm. I think what is good in these two chapters, um is that they're beginning their communication with each other. Like, they're finally being like, okay, like, let's figure out who this other person is, especially Mm -hmm. Kate. Mm -hmm. She really has to come to terms with the fact that she is kind of saving a monster that she should really be bringing to her father. And she's trying to figure out why, and she's trying to figure out why August is so human-like for a monster. And August, of time is trying to figure out why he feels like he needs to protect Kate from his family whom he loves and respects yeah Yeah. and Uh, that I just want to focus more on the character development yeah exactly and like that's going like it again the dialogue in chapter two not great but we're getting to a point where I feel like the dialogue is going to get to very good character development Mm mm-hmm um, yeah, which these I'm are just kind of for. filler chapters to get us to that point. So yep, which is fine. We all books have them. That's normal. But like that's why I'm saying like when I was reading these two chapters, I loved them. But I need to get to chapter three because you we're not resolution. getting anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. Need a little bit of resolution. No, I agree with that. Makes sense. Um, Do you have anything else for chapter two? I just love that she was like, we're going to take it to a diner. <laughs> like, talking about generic. I know. I can even in different movies where, like, people take refuge in a diner or they just go to a diner. Like, what is with diners? I know that, like, I honestly have not been to a diner in so long. <laughs> but there's something about, like, books and movies. Everyone loves diners. Mm-hmm. I guess because they're, like, everywhere, but, like, you could say the same about McDonald's. Why don't people just go to a McDonald's? I feel like Because you have to pay for product placement. True. (laughs) A generic generic diner is, like, much easier to do in terms of, like, scene building (laughs) than a McDonald's. Like, imagine, like, (laughs) imagine Kate and August going to an Olive Garden. (laughs) I need that AU. I need it for that. I need it. I want it. I I feel like we've asked for so much. The breadsticks and the Malkai coming, and they everyone starts chucking breadsticks at the Malkai. You imagine Kate just like grabbing a breadstick and being like, "Boop, boop!" (laughs) Over the Malkai. I want this. I love this spinoff. I need this AU. AU. 
Okay, also, we need to stop asking for AUs for this uh, book. We've asked for, like, six different fan fictions for this book. So. I'm going to write it. I'm going to put it up on fan fiction websites. <laughs> that makes it sound like you've never read fan fiction in your life, Julia. I'm going to post it well, on the fan fiction website. Do I want it on fanfiction.net, archive of our own, or Wattpad? Um... For hitting someone over the head with breadsticks, probably fanfiction.net. Okay. <laughs> Coming to a fanfiction.net near you. <laughs> okay, I should probably finish my Princess Diaries fanfic. Yeah, you should. I've been waiting. <laughs> I'm the worst. Um, okay, anything else? Or should we do pop culture? Uh, let's do pop culture. Okay, what do you got for chapter one? Um, I have, okay, there was something about when she's like, welcome to my new office, um, for some reason, I don't know why, I immediately thought of Heather's. At the end, where, um, oh my god, I'm blanking on, um, her name, Winona Ryder's character, um, is talking with jd Mm -hmm. and she looks absolutely crazy veronica and like veronica goes to like basically i mean she does kill him right it's been years since i've watched others um she doesn't kill him he goes to jail for trying to blow up the school oh that's right that's right and she's like she looks absolutely insane for some reason in my mind that was kate in that moment where she's like welcome to my new office and in my mind i'm picturing winona Ryder just looking like like her hair is a mess like she has the end of a cigarette in her mouth like that particular scene i just thought i don't know why like that i love that that's exactly what it was in my head <laughs> that's amazing um Again, all of the generic action sequences from the movies where they're, like, tied to a metal bar and trying to get away. Cannot name a single one. Well, I can. So I got you. Oh, okay. Okay. How about you go, then? Uh, so, because I, I, I hate it, but I love it when, like, someone's tied up and then, like, comes to and they're like, oh my god, I'm tied up. What's happening to me? Um, Iron Man 3... When he gets tied up by the guy, the the people that make that plant thing that makes the bodies glow all orange, that's a good example. And he, they take the suit away from him. Um, so that's a great example. Any Supernatural episode ever, they're constantly being woken up and tied to bars and places, like, all the time. Um, and then it also happened in Witches Steeped in Gold, which is that Jamaican witchy book I read recently, where... Um, the character gets, like, knocked out or, like, burnt out with magic and then wakes up, like, weakened and tied to a place. So. Okay. Um, my other one that I had for this one was the, uh, when they're jumping. Um, I just thought of Diversion, where Triss has to jump into the train at the very beginning of it. Mm -hmm. Um, when they're heading to the the Diversion, or the, what's it called, base, um, Oh my god, how long has it been since I've read Divergent? Um, where she's going to her new home. Mm-hmm. Um, and the train is rushing past and everyone else jumps, well, except for a couple people. Everyone else jumps and she's like running to catch up with it because she's too afraid at first. Yeah. Um, 
that they remind me of August trying to do the jump. In case that's just like, one. <laughs> Yeah, let's no, go. That's, that's definitely a good one. Um, did you have anything for chapter one? I did. Um, so the almost invincible skin that we get with, like, her trying to, like, cut through his skin with the metal bar and it not doing anything reminded me a lot of Luke Cage. Um, I was on a Marvel bend when I was reading these, by the I way. I can tell. So <laughs> there's going to be a lot of Marvel references. Um, but that really reminded me of Luke Cage. He has, like, invincible skin. He's bulletproof. All of that sort of stuff. So I thought that that was really reminiscent. Uh, kind of what I was talking about earlier, but, like, the chapter really reinforces Romeo and Juliet vibes, but, like, specifically the warring families aspect, like, because of how much the Flynn's and the Harkers and their broader associates that aren't actually related to them, but, like, have picked the size of the families, how much they're all chatting about one another, it really does feel like the Montague Capulet feud, um... Which I love. Which makes Sloane Tybalt, I would say aptly. Checks out. Yeah, that definitely checks out. (laughs) Uh, The way that they're describing Sloane in this chapter, like how he's calculating in his deception and like the hunt that he really wants to like do and is like going all of these steps above and beyond what normal vampires do or normal Malkai reminds me a lot of how Laurent describes James in Twilight, like the first Twilight, where he's like, he's a hunter like nobody you've ever seen. He won't rest until the hunt's completed and he'll plan everything out. And then James like takes all these extra steps with like the ballet studio and the stealing of the video recording and all that stuff. So fun, fun little Twilight knot there. And then, uh, the, like, being out on the ledge, similar to what you were saying, and, like, either having to jump or, like, fight or, like, walk on window ledges reminded me of a couple different things. I mean, I think, not necessarily, like, the jumping to a lower place, but, like, having to walk on the window edges and, like, walk on very small surfaces, very reminiscent of Inej. Um, Mm, yeah. From Shadow and Bone, obviously, she used to do a lot of that, like, creepy crawly stuff uh i'm also fairly confident that in runaway bride she like crawls out onto a window ledge at some point out of a bathroom but i like i spent so much time trying to google it like julia roberts movie window ledge and it was just not getting me anything but i feel 95 percent confident that that's a scene in runaway bride i've never seen it but i love that movie uh and then i recently saw shang chi Another Marvel reference, so apologies. Um, But it was amazing, and they have this whole scene where they go out this window, and then there's, like, scaffolding on the outside of the building, and they have to do all these, like, fight sequences on the scaffolding. And so it kind of reminded me of that, that it's, like, you think something's going to go really, really bad, and you're going to, like, fall out the window, but then there's, like, you know, you can jump down um, Mm -hmm. and do that. And then... Yeah, uh, well, and that was for chapter one, because we didn't actually know she jumped to a lower scene yet. It was just, like, dealing with the window ledge. Those were all of my references for the window ledge. And then I had more references for the jumping to the lower roof for chapter two. <laughs> I love that. Okay, yep. keep going for chapter okay. two. Uh, so, always love a good jumping to a lower rooftop scene. Great 
it's a great generic action scene that happens in a lot of stuff. It really reminded me, and this is this is a an old cut, but I used to play this like Spider Man PC game when I was really <laughs> oh and you used to have to do that. You'd have to jump from, like, one rooftop to the other and then, like, roll as Spider-Man if you didn't want to use up all your web slingers because you had, like, a limited amount of ammo. So I remember playing Spider-Man having to do that. And it reminded me of that. Uh, and then I thought, you know, National Treasure is another great movie with a good rooftop chase scene where they do have to jump down to those lower ones and, like, roll a little bit. You know what else is a great, fun rooftop chase scene? What? Aladdin. Yes! <laughs> Amazing reference. <laughs> There's oh, so I many. Just that. I was like, There's hmm. so many rooftop chase scenes. Yeah, I I do, I will say, I love a good rooftop chase scene. I wish, honestly, wish we would have gotten a little bit more of it in this chapter. Like, if we're going to have generic action, give me more rooftop chase scene part of the action just saying um and then I thought it was really interesting kind of going back to what I was saying earlier about like the the idea that crime runs in families because like it doesn't right like that's you're not genetically predisposed to commit crime that's not a thing but sometimes the perception of that happening really can make people end up committing crimes, like what you were saying with the stereotyping. And it can also warp how people view the world. Like if something happened to their parents because of a crime or their parents committed a crime, but they're raised thinking that their parent was in the right for committing that crime, it can really just like warp how they view the world and what their interpretation of certain scenes is. So like we're seeing a little bit of that happening with Kate, but I think it's early enough that she can kind of flip back around and say ex to to Harker. Um, but it reminded me a lot of the journey and the corruption that Killmonger faces in Black Panther because he becomes fully radicalized. He thinks that the crimes that he's committing and the crimes that his father died for truly are the right cause and the only way forward because that's all he knows and his worldview is so warped because of the pain and the trauma that he's experienced. And so I see, like, Kate starting down that path and I want her to go back the other way. Because <laughs> we don't need another Killmonger. Um, and we don't want the full radicalization to take root. And then what you were talking about with um, the, like, diner scenes... Five, a couple of couple of diner scenes Favorite. um finally we can make a harry potter reference though yeah for i have this, the same one we're like in the seventh book and half yes. <laughs> in the deadly hallows or they're like they are in that cafe drinking cappuccinos and ron's like what is coffee and then they say voldemort and the death eaters like up here yes Oh, that so was my good. Immediate thought. Mm -hmm. But it's good because it's like they're hiding in the cafe and then someone comes looking for them but doesn't know their exact location. And that's exactly what happens with the trace. So it makes it just, it ties out really, really well. Um, also, there's definitely some episodes of Supernatural like this where like they're on side of the road cafes or diners and then someone starts coming to look for them or something goes wrong, someone goes missing. Uh, and then Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., this happens as well. They all go kind of, like, eat at a diner in an episode one time, and then they get stolen through time and space. 
Oh, no. Casual. It's like the end of episode, or end of season six or something. Um, and then the last one that I had, um, gotta always love when someone goes sewer crawling to avoid something, uh, mm-hmm. reminds me of the Avengers video game, which is led by, like, the main character of it is uh, Kamala Khan, or Miss Marvel, who will be in the upcoming The Marvels movie, which I'm very excited for. Um, but there's a whole scene where she has to avoid some AIM robots, and so she hides in the sewers to do that and, like, get away from them, but also then there's robots down there that she has to fight, so she's, like, picking the lesser of two evils. And then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, another great example of hiding out in the sewers. And Spider-Man actually has to do that in one of the movies. I don't remember which one. I think when they fight, when he fights the lizard, because the lizard is down in the sewers, and so he has to go fight the lizard down there. So, I'm sorry for all of my Marvel references this well, <laughs> But it is action, so, like, what else are you going to do? Yeah. Well, that's what I was about to say. Like, I have one for the sewer one, too, because, like, again, like, it's an action one for me. I think it's the Batman Begins movie mm. where Christian Bale goes down into the sewers because the enemy, I cannot, Bane or something is down there. Like, that's where his base is. Again, like, that's that the Dark Knight Rises. Bane is the Dark Knight Rises. Rises. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Haven't seen so any of those movies. <laughs> I love that. I've seen that multiple times. I still don't know the name of it. <laughs> the one with okay. Anne Hathaway. <laughs> oh, yeah, as Catwoman? Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> that's all I remember. <laughs> oh, um, my God. Yeah. That's a good one, though. I had one for the diners as well. I, I had, like, one and a half. The first one, besides the Harry Potter one, was um, the in Stranger Things. You haven't seen that, I think. I've seen the first two seasons. Oh, okay. So the first, I think it was the second episode, she, um, Eleven gets is trying to escape or she has escaped and she's trying to get food so she goes to this random like restaurant not really a restaurant um like a your neighborhood friendly restaurant right Mm -hmm. um and tries to steal the food from there and then um eventually the scientist dudes trace her to there and try to take her away and they start killing everyone (laughs) they kill the guy that like takes her in for a second casual yep miami very much of the Malkai coming into the diner and killing everyone, which Makes was sense. great. Good check. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I, a half because for some reason I cannot get, whenever a diner is brought up, I don't know why, I immediately jump to when Harry meets Sally. <laughs> wrong, of, wrong diner application. <laughs> yeah. You're making pop culture references like me, Julia. What are you doing? <laughs> It's hard to get past that one scene, though, okay? <laughs> I support I you. Just, I always think of it all the time. Um, but, like, again, like, there's so many diner scenes that I think of. Like, there's the sequel to um, the If I Stay book. Um, I don't remember what it's called. It's, it's the sequel, though. And again, like, the 
the two main characters, well, the main character and her, like, love interest reunite mm-hmm. in a diner. Like, that's the other thing I think of. There's the movie A Cinderella Story with Hilary Duff. They're in a yes. diner. Yes! <laughs> yes! Though, you know, Julia, I'm, like, really offended that you haven't made the most important diner reference of all time. Luke's Diner? Our Valentine's Day date in, like, 2018. <gasps> oh my gosh! That's true. Also, Luke's Diner isn't really a diner, is it? It is. It's a diner. Is it a diner? Okay. It is. Uh, that's true. We did go to a diner for Valentine's Moonstruck Day Diner. We got really terrible food, but it was great. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Our tuna melts where the cheese was just like a straight oh God, piece of cheese. It literally looked like plastic. <laughs> it wasn't even melted. It wasn't even warm. I was like, how is this a tuna Oh, God. <laughs> it was sad. You're always my favorite Valentine's Day, Julia. You too. <laughs> what we should have done is gone to the Russian tea room. I had fun at the Russian tea room. We had a great waiter. <laughs> I was like, oh, that God. was a great time. The alcohol <laughs> helped a little, day. but that was it a great did. time. <laughs> Pro tip if you're in New York City, go to the Russian tea room during restaurant week. It is a fun time. Hell to the yes. Wholeheartedly agree. Um, I have another pop culture reference that isn't a pop culture reference. Yes. So (laughs) I just, I didn't know another place to really bring it up. Um, But as you know, the readers may know, I've been reading Vicious by Victoria Schwab or V.E. Schwab because it's an adult novel. And this book is about evil superheroes. And someone asked me the other day, they were like, what's the difference between an evil superhero and a supervillain? And I was like, that's a great question. You should read the book, and then you'll understand why I'm calling them evil superheroes. Because <laughs> they're not supervillains. Like, they don't want to do the things that, like, you know, they don't want to take over the world. They don't want to destroy humanity. There's one guy who wants to just kill other people that have superpowers, and then the main character that just wants to stop him. Okay. So it's just a bunch of morally gray assholes, like, interacting with each other, but then they also have superpowers. Oh, lovely. It's great. Um, but there is this line that really just reminded me of this Savage song, and because it's by the same author, I was like, mm, is she recycling words? Because it feels like she's recycling words. Specifically, like, the last sentence, but I'm going to read the whole the whole paragraph. Uh Victor wasn't sure how he felt about EOs, up until, which means extraordinaries, that's like superheroes. Up until he fetched Sydney from the side of the road, he'd only ever known one EO, himself excluded, and that was Eli. If he'd had to judge based on the two of them, then extraordinaries were damaged, to say the least. But these words people threw around, humans, monsters, heroes, villains, to Victor, it was all just a matter of semantics. Someone could call themselves a hero and still walk around killing dozens. Someone else could be labeled a villain for trying to stop them. Plenty of humans were monstrous, and plenty of monsters knew how to play at being human. That definitely sounds like something that... We've already read. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) So, uh, that was was my pop culture reference. She's really, like, on this, like... Monsters, humans, humans, monsters. We're all horrible. Everyone's horrible. Yes. (laughs) I mean, I agree with her, but... She does love her her morally gray characters. Like, even Addie LaRue, none of those characters are, like, good people. (laughs) But damn, that book still made me cry. (laughs) 
did you have any other pop culture references? Sorry for interrupting. Um, I don't think so. Um, mostly I was just hung up on the uh, diner sequences. Valid. That's valid. So should we do MVPs? I yes, you start. I know because I made you start last time. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, I am definitely 100% this time giving my MVP to August because he's just so logical, like calm as calm as you can be in this whole scenario he's making all the right choices even though they're hard and i'm um i'm really proud of my baby he's growing up he's maturing yeah although he was pretty mature to start off with for someone who like spawned at he was but he's not exhibiting as much angst as he was before and so like i think he's calming down and like processing better than he was before even though he was always mature it would just take him longer to get to where he needed to be and now he's just like no this is what needs to get done it's the right thing to do like he's more definitive than he was when we first met him okay what about you i was between kate and august's dad but i think i'm gonna go with kate Mm -hmm. because i think similar to august she's maturing in her own way and is desperately needed yeah um i think she's starting to she was thinking for herself previously but i think she's now like with the realization that sloan could be behind the attacks and also listening to august and realizing he's not the monster that she thinks he is Mm -hmm. she's finally thinking for herself like she's like okay let's think about all of the facts let's get it together and figure out what we have to do next um, do I think that sending her dad a text is a bad idea? Yes, because I just don't know what's going to happen. But she's doing what she can to keep herself safe. And at the same time, it's also now thinking about August's safety, which I mm-hmm. think is a huge step up from where she was even just like a couple chapters ago, when yeah. she was fully ready to hand him over to her dad. Right. Um... So she's really coming into her own, which I appreciate, and that is why she is my MVP. Love Just it. both of them in these two chapters, like especially towards the chapter chapter two, the end of chapter two, mm-hmm. I think is such a difference from the end of verse two. Like they're suddenly like faced with the paralyzation that they are kind of alone and only have mm-hmm. each other. I appreciate that they're figuring things out and, like, trying to communicate with each other. Um, right. And just, like, logically th- thinking through their options without just, like, being like, okay, let's go to the south and then realizing a bit too late that that's not the best option for them. Right. No, but... So. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. And uh, funny enough, that's exactly how we picked our MVPs last time. You picked Kate. I picked August. I love that. Oh, God. All right. What about your wine review, Julia? Okay. I am giving this a 7 out of 10. It is a similar to a Corvina, which is a grape, and mostly found in Valpolicella's and other Italian 
wines, but the reason I chose the grapes, I literally wrote this down because I wanted, I remember this. The Corina is like an annoying grape in that like if you're not careful, as I recall, it won't do well. Like you have to prune it, you have to like check it, you have to like really ensure that it is growing well in order to get it into this blend. On its own, it's not great, but in a blend, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. In that case, it's similar, I thought, to like how Kate and August are starting to communicate with each other. On their own, they're not doing so well, but together, they're doing pretty well. So I was I was thinking a 7 out of 10. Like, they still have a lot of room for improvement. Corvina's not like a great grape, right? Right. Um, but once they get, get to like the Volcello stage, they'll be great together. How about your whining rating? Um, so I'm I'm gonna go with a six out of ten for my whining rating this this week. And it's all Kate. Like it's literally all Kate. August really doesn't exhibit a lot of angst <laughs> this chapter, which is a huge turnaround because normally it's been Kate acting like a goddamn android and August freaking out about everything. But we had a total role reversal um in these chapters where Kate is very unsure of her decisions as she's trying to, like, figure out what the right thing to do is and, like, go against everything that she's learned and has taught herself. Um, and so because she's so torn and, like, struggling with what to do, she's, like, freaking out about it a little bit. She's hiding it well in front of August. But because we get her internal monologue, we know that she's not actually, like, repressing <laughs> it that well. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go six out of ten for all of her uncertainness and angst about, like, how to handle this situation. August was great, though. I was really proud of him. Huge improvements from previous chapters. I love August. He is, like, my child. I know. He's our little baby. That's why I keep referring to him that way. I love him. Same. So much. <laughs> love him so, so much. Um, I'm but, excited to read yeah. the next chapter. I know. I've been waiting for this. I'm so sorry. No, we both had problems. It's so funny. I feel like we, like, it just happened. Like, life happens sometimes like that, where we both just kept having issues that got in our way of recording. It happens. The world will be okay if we are take a week (laughs) off just to kind of, like, recalibrate, which, honestly, I think we should probably just do, and then we'll post this one following week. Um. Well, everyone, thanks for dealing with our craziness and our tangents and our all over the <laughs> place behavior this time. We always go on more tangents when we're coming back from not recording for, like, a couple of weeks. Like, we're That's all true. over the place because we're just like, hi, I missed you. How are you? What's life? true. We, like, pack all of our catching up into the recording. <laughs> Yep, exactly. It's totally normal. (laughs) Um, Completely fine. Um, But thanks, everyone, for listening. Really appreciate you sticking through all of this weirdness. And if you want to follow us on social media, because Julia posted, and so, like, we're actually social media-ing now. I am planning. I have a whole series planned for Instagram. Maybe I'll add it to Twitter and Facebook, too. Oh, my God. I love it. Let me know if you need me to take pictures of anything. Okay, I I will. (laughs) Um, and yeah, so you can follow us on social media. Our Instagram and our Facebook are at Unnecessary Angst Pod. Our Twitter is at Unangst Pod. And you can also email us to chat about the book, other books we've read, books you think we should read, 
just to chat. We're here. Um, you can email us at unnecessaryangstpod at gmail.com. And with that, we hope you all have a lovely week, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Thank you. Bye.